Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for the lust. Blindly passing, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his fire. Father. Oh, Father God, we just uh, just love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we love you. We thank you for putting us through the testing that we're going through, the trials, the tribulations. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Father, for tonight's program, and we pray for an anointing, a blessing that is beyond our understanding, a supernatural blessing to just, you know, fall from the heavens and just completely surround and and utterly fill uh, Sister Terry tonight for this particular message, I believe, is one that many of us need to hear more than we realize. As a matter of fact, Father, I praise you for my difficulties. I praise you and thank you for uh, challenge that, challenges that... Um, clearly through the flesh, I am unable to overcome them. I do not know what to do, and therefore I just give it all over to you. Father, I know other people that I've been working with that are very close to this program that are going through absolutely unspeakably horrible things. I will not repeat them, and I pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, for the angels, for every single listener of this program, Father. I pray in Jesus' name, Father, in Jesus' name, and in accordance with Mark eleven twenty three, John 14, 12, 13, 14, thank you, Jesus, and the promise that are in your Bible, Father God, and we know that you are not a man that you would lie. We trust you. We believe you. And yes, we know you are last-minute God. You were with uh, with uh, Abraham, and, and certainly you are with us. It's all part of our test. We need to remain in continuous praise. But yet, Father God, our testing and the refiner's fire that many of us are going through right now is far greater a magnitude, far more difficult than any of us have ever been exposed to. And I believe that this may very well, maybe not happening to every single listener at the same time, because we all go through our own walk at different times, Father, But and no one knows you knows us better than you do. Lord Jesus, uh, Psalm 139, the whole thing talks about that, and we just hold it up before you and we say, Father, in the name of Jesus, for every single person out there that is uh, a regular listener of the show or even those that are maybe just doing the drive by listen 
Father, we just pray and hold each one of them up, whether they are dealing with a health problem, a cardiovascular problem, whether they're dealing with the loss of sight, whether they're dealing with uh, uh, kidney failure and uh, blood issues. Father God, whether they're dealing with intense back problems. Father, if they're dealing with family rejection, uh, family breakups, husbands and wives, addictions of extreme natures that are being made manifest by Satan right now to come against your people. Father, we aren't able to praise you from the grave, and we are not able to continue to be able to give you the glory that you deserve in our works on behalf of uh, uh, of everything, that all the mercy and grace that you have given us over, in some cases, 40, 50, 60 years. Father, we're, we're, we're not working in our peak efficiency when we are being beaten down so hard that we're barely able to catch our breath. And uh, we are asking you, Father, for, on behalf of every listener of this program, in the mighty name of Jesus, we are asking you, Father, for a supernatural outpouring of angelic power. We are declaring in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus that the heavens be parted, the spiritual realm be parted for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to flow freely down into our lives and to take charge. We're asking those angels to be on a search and destroy mission, to shut portals, to stomp on demons, to place them under arrest, to cast them into the pit. Father God, we declare the holy fire of God down around about us on all sides. We decree in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow that holy fire white hot. We declare in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that our prayers will be encircled uh, like a fire tornado as they launch up to the firmament of the rock and melt them and scatter the demons of darkness in all directions, Father God. For those members of our families that are being used against us exactly as you warned us, uh, Lord Jesus, uh, multiple times in your scripture, Father, we just lift up every single person that is under attack and we declare these people, Father, we ask you, please, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive us, for we know not what we do. Please forgive us, Father. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our fleshy natures. Forgive us for uh, for responding to the, these attacks or whatever it is that various people are going through, Father. We just pray in Jesus' name that you will forgive us for our human responses. And show us through the teaching of Sister Terry tonight uh, even more tactics and methods that we can employ in our prayer lives to be able to dodge that evil bullet of our of, of an attack against our own minds, holding every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus, and also understanding that our reaction time is very critical because the attacks are far more intense than we can ever, we can't articulate it. Uh, I'd like to use a beehive father. You know that when I'm talking to people, I feel like a lot of the attacks that many of us are going through is like being swarmed by uh, murder hornets, you know, and, and uh, you know, and there's just it, it feels sometimes that it's so overwhelming that we can't beat our way out of the attack enough to be able to get on our knees and to push through in prayer and to be able to uh, stop the attack, uh, particularly when it's uh, coming from a human. willfully and unwittingly allowed these demons to take control of their lives. And then, of course, because of that problem, now that problem becomes our problem. And, Father, when it's our problem, 
there is less being done for the kingdom. There is less that we can do to give you glory. We are your servants. We depend upon you. We praise you. We, we hold up every one of the, whether it's a health issue, whether it's a son or a daughter that is completely, or a husband or a wife or just an absolute unspeakably horrible attack that any of us may be going through right now, whatever it is, our jobs, uh, loss of houses, being foreclosed on, whatever the situation is, Father, we hold it up before you, and we take it, and we lay it at the foot of the cross, and let us all look up at our Lord Jesus as he's looking down at us, promising us that he will never leave us or forsake us. Your rod and your staff, they do comfort us. Straighten out our pathway. Help us to be able to deal with the things that we're dealing with, all of the diversities of these trials, tribulations, and as it says in the Scripture, the fiery trials that are to try you is as if something strange has happened to us. We praise you for them. We know it will bring us to a better place. We know that these things are temporary. We know that we, obviously we have to go through them for some reason, and that reason to the pure all things are pure. Titus 1.15, we stand upon that promise, Father God, and we pray that you will help us hold our hands, Lord Jesus, and pull us up out of the well, pull us directly into your arms. We trust you. We know you're going to bring us through these things. They seem absolutely impossible to deal with now. We were right in the throes of it, but we believe, and because we believe, we know that you will come through for us. We are in your hands. We, we bind all demons of darkness, and we declare all portals to be shut. We confess that we are in in sin in perpetuity, and we plead, Father God, that that by your mercy that you will forgive us for all of our humanness, that you through our desire to, to come to you as our Father, fearing you, but also at the same time knowing that you are the only one we can lean on and trust in the days that we're in today and the days that we will surely have to face tomorrow. By your blessing, Father, we pray, and by your anointing, Father, we pray, uh, by your incredible long-suffering and mercy, Lord, we pray that you will just pour out that protection, pour out those angels, pour out your blood, Lord Jesus, we plead it, into each of our bodies to heal them, take away the pain, take away the problems, send your angels down to take charge over the situation, Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare these things and we praise your holy name because we are going to get through them. Every one of us are going to get through them, and we are going to put into practice the things that we learned from Sister Terry tonight, and we are going to be overcomers because we are looking at you, Jesus. We are looking at you, not the water that we're walking on right now. And we thank you, Lord, for bringing us through each one of these things. We rebuke all negative thoughts. We bind them and cast them into the pit. They belong to the devil. And may the devil burn by the fire of God in the name of Jesus, we declare it. Any demon of darkness that is affecting any one of us, whether it is through our thoughts, whether it is through the behaviors of our loved ones, whether it is through our jobs, whether it is through illnesses, we rebuke them. In the mighty name of Jesus, we bind them and we cast them into the pit and we declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut now. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. And we declare this fire of God to drop like white, hot, magnesium, napalm all around us, killing the demons of darkness, scattering scattering them in every which direction. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Father God, for that power, for that authority. We take it over the demons of darkness. We take it over the attacks. They have no control over us. And we praise you, Jesus, for lifting your hand out once again and pulling us toward 
toward you because we know that is our destiny and we operate under your authority by the glory of God and by, oh Lord, your incredible mercy, we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah and amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, my gizmos and gadgets and widgets and, <laughs> and cables and schmables and everything. What? It's, oh, my goodness. But anyway, uh, I'm sure that through the prayers you have uh, quickly come to the conclusion that uh, I'm finding out even more and more uh, the intensity of the attacks that many of us are going through. Now, I know that not everybody's going to go through the same things. And that the different there's going to be deltas. You know, one person will go through a problem with their husband or their wife. Another person will go through a horrific problem with a child or or a teenager or even a fully grown uh, adult. Uh, there will be sicknesses. There will be attacks coming against our health. There are going to be attacks against our jobs. Our situation is going to see absolutely insurmountable. And I know a lot of uh, people are going through these things because I'm, you know, they're they're communicating with me. They're crying out for prayer. They're crying out for assistance, uh, you know. And and in some cases, just you know, using using my shoulder, praise Jesus, what a blessing uh, to uh, share. You know, you know, uh, there's this old saying, and I like this saying. It, it's uh, a problem shared is a problem halved. And especially when you're doing when you're sharing that problem with a fellow brother or sister in Christ, that you're able to pray 
together, which amplifies the uh, presence of God. And, you know, two or three are gathered together there. Our Father is in our midst. So praise Jesus for that. Um, and, of course, you know, through the uh, teaching on how Satan stops our prayers, there's a lot of things that that white paper did not deal with. And that's cool because, you know, for example, the, that, that white paper did not deal with when Christians gathered together, that um, it didn't deal with the dynamics associated with when we get together even on Zoom calls or or through Skype or, uh, you know, uh, multiple people. I, I forget what they call them, but when you have like three, four people on a single call through your cell phone. But anyway, uh, you know, th- those are opportunities for us to be able to really amplify our prayers and to just, you know, essentially launch them forward through the power of Christ directly into the throne room. And I believe with all of my heart that, um, you know, that gets, uh, you know, like, like, like Nehemiah said in his prayer in Nehemiah 111, you know, he's like, please let your ear be attentive to the prayers of your servant. You know, so, you know, and you see that, by the way, you see that dynamic, you know, incline thine ear, O Father God, you know, so there, you know, our, our predecessors and the, the you know, uh, patriarchs of the Bible also knew that there were, t- I mean, King Hezekiah, you know, I mean, where it says in Second Kings uh, 20, verse 5, you know, I've seen your tears and I will answer you. You know, how long did King Hezekiah cry out to the Lord before he got that answer, which was the perfect answer for him at that, that point in time? And a lot of us you know the problem is like like those murder hornets when those things are swarming on you and they're biting you you know when you're getting stung 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 left and right and it's and 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 see satan knows that he's got to swarm you he knows he's got to send murder hornets you know he he knows what he's up against he knows that he is dealing with well-equipped spiritually war you know maybe we're not all experts in spiritual warfare but we certainly know exactly what we how we ought to pray and um and you know and if we don't we need to keep working on it praise jesus but um, um, uh, you know, you know, when your enemy knows that you're well armed, then your enemy's going to strike a little bit harder. They're going to their their war tactics will be stepped up uh, quite a bit, really. Um, so when you have technological advantages on the battlefield, uh, what will happen is your enemy will come at you. They might have inferior weapons. Maybe they just have pocket knives, and you've got all kinds of super advanced satellite tracking missile systems. But let me tell you something: if there's enough numbers in that enemy, okay, even though all they got is pocket knives, and if they're circling around and flanking you from all directions and they're hitting you like a bunch of murder hornets swarming on its you know on its prey uh you know it doesn't really matter that you have satellite gui- guided you know missiles at that point because you're getting swarmed on so hard you know you can't come up for breath and what's worse is when it's direct family members or health issues or sicknesses where you're in fantastic amounts of pain or you 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 know are facing uh homelessness um uh you know loss of your dwelling place all the kinds of things you know uh just just getting tossed out into a horrible job market, whatever the case is, you know, losing your job. Um, you know, there was a study recently done by Psychological uh, Psychology Magazine or some, you know, Johns Hopkins kind of a thing where there was a lot. Of, it was peer reviewed and and it was accurate. It said that um, that losing a job is as bad. It 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 it, it causes as much emotional distress on the individual who's losing their job. It, 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 it's the, they measured it. You know, they measured, they took people that were going through the worst possible case stress scenarios. Okay. And what they determined was, you know, loss of a, a loved one, like a child, a death of a child or the death of a spouse is the same amount of stress, believe it or not, as losing your job. They actually, you know, put 
neurological sensors on people. They looked at the brainwave patterns of people that were going through those types of things, and they said, well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Look at the, the, the signatures that we're getting from, you know, the different parts of the brain that are – and then when you get into a stress – Dynamic. And by the way, I'm raising my hand. I'm raising my hand so high that, it, you know, if I if it wasn't I was sitting down, I'd probably be scraping popcorn off the ceiling right now. But anyway, um, you know, and that is that's our disadvantage. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's unfortunate to have to acknowledge it. But if we don't acknowledge it and face up to it and learn to do the things that Terry Hill is going to be helping us to understand a little bit better. I was just having a conversation with somebody who's going through s- such horrific stuff right now that I, I won't repeat it. It's just too horrible to repeat. And I don't want to I don't want to go through the trauma of emotionally, you know, revisiting it again. Uh, and we're going to continue to work on it and pray together and hopefully, you know, collectively get through it. But when when a human being is so full of demons when they're truly controlled by a strongman demon and 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 probably as many as 20 or 30 subordinate demons and they're inside that individual it doesn't matter if that person's a pastor doesn't matter if that person's you know in the choir at church it really makes no difference at all but when that person is in that situation and especially when they don't even really believe in it you're at the greatest disadvantage in that case because what you're doing is you're going to have to call down the holy fire of God against those demons, but you're doing it as a third party. Ideally, the individual needs to believe and understand their situation and repent of their behavior before God, and that gives you a fantastic advantage of getting, ready, getting rid of the demons and keeping the demons away. But when the person doesn't believe and they're full of demons and they're behaving that way, um, well, then in that case, you're at the that is bar none, the worst case scenario for a Christian to be in. And that's why Satan is always after our loved ones. Satan will do whatever he can to come after our jobs, our loved ones, our children, sickness, you name it, whatever it what whatever the worst case scenario that you can possibly think that might happen in your life, I guarantee that Satan and his filthy, stinking demons that, you know, you know, I don't, I, it's a good thing that I can't see demons because if I could see them, and I've asked the Lord not to give me that level of discernment because really at the point I'm at right now with the things that I've had to go through since 2018, I'm at the point right now that if I could physically see demons, I would literally chop them to pieces. I, I, I would rip their heads off and just cut them to pieces. Hallelujah. Because, you know, at, at, there comes a point, you know, we're, we as Christians are not allowed to hate anybody or be mad. We're not even supposed to allow uh, our anger to go to bed with us. You know, we're supposed to leave it go, talk to our Father, uh, focus our eyes on Jesus, be full of praise and worship, and and really, don't forget, please, 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 if you're going to remember anything about dealing with another individual that has very powerful demons controlling them and they are destroying your life, which, of course, is the goal of Satan, because now your prayer life is dorked up. Now you're not causing Satan any grief because you're so busy putting out the fires in your life that the other individual is creating for you that now Satan has basically disabled you. 
And now, you know, so that's what I talked to the father about. I'm like, father, listen, you're, you, you need, I need you to send down reinforcements. I need you to send down powerful Delta Force warrior angels. I need these things to be resolved, or I am not going to be able to perform at the level that you want me to perform. It says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Keep me in remembrance and let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Well, really, in that dynamic, God is pleading with us and saying, this is the design of the universe. I need your prayers. We're going to partner together. State your case, which basically is just another way of saying confess, constant confess, and confess, confess, confess. But because here's the thing. When we are negatively affected, when we start to worry, when we start to grimace and grab our face and go, oh, no, Lord, not again. At that moment in time, what we are doing, unwittingly so, we have all the reason in the world to do it. And my goodness gracious, I can't imagine anybody in heaven uh, feeling anything but empathy for us going through these things. But at that moment in time, unfortunately, that's the place where we need to learn, and boy, is it hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do, and I am not overcoming this particular problem right now, and I know a lot of other people that aren't. Okay, and what happens is the things, the negativity and the attacks come down so hard so hard. It's like, you know, it's like the Tet Offensive. You've got enemies coming out underneath the wire. Every single direction that you look, it, you are swarmed with negativity, swarmed with attacks. Your other members of your family are being attacked. And when, when, when that large of a demonic assault comes upon you, really, the, the, the mother of all bombs in spiritual warfare at that point is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I'm not saying you don't call down the holy fire of God to burn them in the screaming agony and make a public spectacle of them in accordance with Colossians 2.15, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and to disarm them. That's what it says. Colossians 2.15 says to, that Jesus, from by hanging on the cross, disarmed the principalities and powers, making a public spectacle of them. Well, we also know the scripture says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, and we are royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2.9. When we understand who we are, we become the archenemy of the devil, and that's why a whole bunch of us are under some serious murder-hornered attacks right now. And the problem is the devil knows if he goes and takes one of our unwitting uh, members of our family or whatever relation they may be to you or your job or whatever it is, and, and he knows, the devil doggone knows that if he comes after that, that he puts you in the worst-case scenario. And so by that one method, that one tactic alone is all he needs to execute on and have his demons execute on, because by virtue of having that tactic executed upon you, he not only does he take out a really great prayer warrior that's causing him a lot of grief, but he's wiping out a family, he's tearing things to shreds, and that's what he wants. He wants to inflict the absolute most horrific agony on you that he possibly can. You know why? You know why? Because if you're praying worth a darn, you're doing the same thing to him. So he's just coming back. This is his version of a Tet Offensive. So our, now what we've got to do, which is, which is just the most supernatural thing in the whole wide world. Think about this. So I'm helping somebody get, work their way through a very serious, serious challenge. It's, it doesn't get any more serious than this. Okay? 
it really doesn't. Okay, so and 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 the dynamics are hard because you can't just go, dear heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, please do this and please do that. That ain't gonna cut it. You're under a full-scale murder hornet attack fight by demonic presences, and and again, when we had Henry Groover on the program, he uh, part of his testimony. You know, we brought him on to talk about the Russian missiles and all that kind of stuff hitting the United States, Babylon the Great, and all that kind. And you know what? He, he was just taken over by the Holy Spirit. Um, and it was it. His testimony was ten times more awesome. Uh, by virtue of how the Holy Spirit just took hold of him, and he just started talking about, you know, t- giving testimony about his life and the things that he's been through and all that. And we learned so much. And let me tell you something. He was, you may have heard this before, but that's okay. Some people haven't. Um, but he was, uh, when he was doing his prayer walking over in the Middle East, he was captured by some uh, Hezbollah uh, uh, operatives, we'll just say, with guns and knives and all that kind of stuff. And they, they captured him and took him inside of a cave area where they were hanging out. And they saw him as an enemy. You know, uh, They wanted to kill him. And one of the uh, murderous Hezbollah soldiers grabbed him from behind with his, you know, in that locked position around his neck and held a knife up to his neck because they were going to cut his throat. And um, Henry kind of like was like, uh, looks like this is it kind of thing. And the Holy Spirit said, pray silently, Father, forgive him, for he knows not what he does. And Henry, without saying a word, in his spirit, he said, Father, forgive him. He does not know what he does. And at that split second of time, the demons of darkness that were controlling that Hezbollah murderer all were utterly disarmed. And they dropped the knife and they said, get out of here. And they shoved him out of the cave and he was off on his own again. All right. This is the kind of power that we have, but we have got to understand the tactics, when to use them. We've got to disarm the demons that are in control of our loved one that is causing all the hell to take place in our lives. That that's a that's a that is a nuclear bomb that is met that is being under full control of Satan that is being used to destroy as many lives as is humanly possible and that is the goal of Satan and he wants to do it. So first you have got to disarm the demon. Father forgive them for they know not what they do. As a matter of fact, you can even, you know, do like one of the things I like to do is I say, Father, you know, as as your servant Nehemiah did in chapter 1 verse 6, as Daniel did in in chapter 9 verse 25, they confessed of the sins of the peoples of the lands of Israel. Father, I confess of the sins of this person. I confess of the sins that they've done. I I know they've done this, 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 and this, and this. I confess of them, Father, in the name of Jesus, and I pray, Father, forgive them because they truly, truly don't know what they are doing, and they are victims of the darkness, Father, and I pray in Jesus' name that full forgiveness will come down from the throne room immediately and that you will just have absolute mercy on them. Once you do that, you have eliminated the the legal right that the demons have to stay inside that individual. You understand? You've got to eliminate the legal right by getting them, by confessing of their sins and getting God's forgiveness. Now the demons don't have a legal right to be there. 
Next, you say, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, I declare in Jesus' name the holy fire of God to launch directly down from the glory pillar in the throne room and burn these demons into screaming agony, sending them in all directions. I decree warrior angels to descend upon them, strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest, and cast them into the pit. And I declare the fire of God to weld that pit shut. I declare the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn the demons into agony. And I plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Problem is, you got to keep at it because you're dealing with a third party. The third party doesn't know that they're demon-possessed. And unfortunately, they're going to continue to misbehave because they got their flesh. So even though you can get the demons out and you can punish them and you can go to battle with them, because that individual is a third party, they're clueless, they're a hapless victim of the darkness, they're going to go right back into the bad behavior, which means you have to go back and do that same prayer series again and again and again and again. Because in, in the midst of those prayer series, okay, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I confess of their sins before thee, like Nehemiah and Daniel. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command those demons, come out. Talk to the demons. Talk to the mountain. Talk to the demons. Out, demons! Come forth in the name of Jesus Christ. I bind you and cast you into the abyss. You need to talk to the demons like you're kicking a rabid dog, all right, because that's what they are. And they're stupid, too. They're stupid, and they stink. And I, like I said, the only... It's a good thing that the Lord never, at least that is one prayer that the Lord has definitely uh, answered for me. But anyway, um, yeah, and, 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 and you got to do it again. You got to do it tomorrow. You got to do it in the afternoon. You got to do it in the evening before you go to bed. Got to go, go at it, go at it, go at it, go at it, go at it. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Disarm the demons. You know, call down the fire of God to burn the demons in screaming agony. Declare and decree in the mighty name of Jesus for a platoon of warrior angels to swarm upon the demons, strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest, cast them into the pit. Declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. Declare the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn them in screaming agony and plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and then go right back at it again. Because what you're looking for, what you want to do then, is you also want to call down angels. After you get the demons out of them, Father, forgive them, cast the demons into the pit. Then you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I plead with your courts. I plead with your courts of heaven. Father, please assign, I like to say a platoon because it's a, it's a good number of angels. Please assign a platoon of, of warrior angels. Father, like the link angels in the book, he came to set the captives free. Send them down, Father God. You, you, you struck Zechariah dumb because of what happened with uh, uh, you know, his lack of obedience, Father, at that moment. You can do this. Same kinds of miracles, same kinds of supernatural uh, miracles. You have the power. I'm calling it down in the name of Jesus. You have given me the power. You have told me in Luke 10, verse 19, behold, I give you power. I give you authority over all the serpents and scorpions and, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You've, you've given us that authority through your name, Jesus, and we are going to levy that. We're going to use that as a weapon against the darkness, and we are counting. We're counting on it, and we are going to overcome. But we do recognize that we are working in exceedingly difficult dynamics because the demons, when they are attacking a loved one, once again, that doesn't believe and would never believe, not in, even in a quadrillion years, they would never believe in a quadrillion years that they have demons. 
In fact, they'd probably start quoting scripture or something to tell you why they can't have demons, which, of course, is a complete misinterpretation or understanding of our walk. But that's, you know, welcome to Churchianity 101. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, I wanted to uh, I wanted to share that with you because I know it actually goes hand in hand. Believe it or not, when I was helping uh, this one individual um, just recently, just prior to the program, um, the um, th- that that individual that I was helping with was uh, talking about Ramirez's book and some of the things she's learned from that book. And I, I I I'm a humongous fan of reading as much material, getting as many books as you can, and picking out the best of the best. You know. And one of the things that she was saying was that, that Ramirez said that in order to hold you know, negative thoughts captive, you've got to act within 30 seconds. You, you know, in his personal opinion, with the, with the things that he's had to go through in his walk, he said that when you have, when you're getting swarmed and the murder hornets start to sting, you've got less than 30 seconds to shift that whole dynamic over and take control of the dynamic. Because otherwise you're going to get shoved into a, you're going to be going on the defensive, you're going to be uh, pushed to the ground, stung, 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 beat, 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 and you're going to be, you're going to be in a bad situation. You're not going to be able to easily come back up and stand up, stand, having done all, to stand Okay, you want to get ahead of that, and that's that's really kind of a part of uh, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is a big part of it. I would submit, in fact, nowadays, it's probably the very biggest thing, because if we can't get to that place, raising my hand, scraping popcorn off the ceiling, um, if we can't get to that place where we shift it into prayer, uh, hold the thought captive to the obedience of Christ, uh, renew our mind uh, and take a, a, a proactive manual, uh, 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 you know, we, we got to take charge of the situation. Because that, that's it. That, we were given the power. You have to understand that. God is looking for us to, to use that power. God is looking to us to use the spiritual weapons that we were given to us. Okay? It's all over the Bible. We're supposed to be like Jesus. All right? Jesus didn't ask demons to leave. You know what I'm saying? He didn't say, pretty please, would you guys come out of there? You, you really shouldn't be messing around with that, dude. I mean, you know, come. No. Even even our father, when he rebuked Satan uh, with with the high priest Joshua in Zechariah three one through seven, he, he he was pretty strict with Satan. He was like, "Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Stand down!" I would love to have been there. I would have loved to have seen that. But anyway, um, praise God, thank you, Jesus. I I you know when when I when I know that I'm going through stuff, and I know that I'm struggling to maintain that trust and just, you know, lay it at the foot of the cross, look at Jesus looking at you, and trust. Ride the wave. It's not going to last that long. I'm not playing one of those, when I say it's not going to last that long, I'm not doing one of those things that Christians always do, and they're like, life is but a zephyr, and and life goes by real fast. So don't worry, because this too will come to pass. No, I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is, in the grand scheme of this year, in the grand scheme of the next several months, whatever it is that you're going through, fight your way through it. It will pass. It'll pass in the next couple of months. It, you'll be over it. It, you know, the the stuff that I have facing me right now, it's not human. There's no human being on the face of the earth would be able to do the things that I'm being asked to do. It's just not possible. It's humanly impossible. But I am going to figure out a way to do it. 
I am, through the help of the Lord Jesus Christ, and through prayer, through power, through promises, through scriptures, because I know that I have them, and I know that you have them. But sometimes we're so busy getting stung by murder hornets that we are just, we're like, ow, 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 that hurts, ow, 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 and then we're just laying in the corner, we're crying, and we're beating murder hornets off of us, but we're being completely ineffective against that which is attacking us. So praise God, hallelujah, for all of us going through such things, and a super-duper praise Jesus for all of us who are not currently going through them. Hallelujah for that, because we all need a period of respite now now and again uh, so that we can regroup, uh, get our prayer lives back in uh, full swing, um, and, uh, and then, of course, wait for the next part of the journey. Uh, which sometimes comes a little sooner than we wish. But anyway, that's just, uh, and then you have to imagine, really, when you look at the news and the things that are happening around the world, I mean, every time I talk to somebody, I don't, I can name names, you know, lots and lots. Um, and their opinion is always that, wow, I just feel like everything's just going to blow up any second now. I just feel like it's, you know, this, we're never going to, we're not even going to make it through the winter. You know, there's no way this could, you know, and <clears throat> I keep saying to myself, you know, I really, really want that person to be right, more than anything. But the last 12 years of lessons has taught me otherwise. So um, are we really, really, really close? Absolutely. I wouldn't have said that three years ago. I would have said, well, I don't really know. And we still don't know if it's going to be God's will to uh, allow Trump to do the 2024 thing. We don't know. We don't know what God has in store. What we do know is from the priest of Baal story that our Heavenly Father loves to humiliate the enemy. And we do know that our Heavenly Father is incredibly merciful, so he probably has his hands on many of us, not just us listening to this program, but many uh, of us believers worldwide. And he may be patiently awaiting more of us to get to the place that we need to be so that we're ready to go in the barley harvest. Those of us, like those of us who are going through really challenging times in our lives, we have, I don't, for some reason, God has chosen us to um, be in a special place. I know it's hard to believe that it's a blessing, but it is, uh, where he is focusing on us learning how to deeply trust him so deeply that you know, that the scripture, I actually have this one taped to my work laptop. I, I uh, Here, I'll, I'll look it up. Hold on. Uh, let me see here. Oh, yeah, there it is. Psalm 112, verse 17. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And that's where we all have to come. So if you are in a period of respite, you are not being attacked by murder hornets. There is nobody in your family that is doing absolutely beyond speakable horrible things to the rest of the family. If if you are not uh, being attacked, I mean, if you, it, praise God for you. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and 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 don't forget, we want to pray for one another. I I really I no, we always want to pray for the lost of the world. We always 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 want to pray for the lost of the world. And by the way, that does include the people in Georgianity and our fellow brothers and sisters that are hanging out on the top of the seven mountains. But it includes everybody. You know, I, God, I know a lot of really really super good Christians that have done incredible things throughout their lives and given people homes and educations and food and clothing and let the 
them live in their homes and, and all kinds of, incre- you know, David Wilkerson versions of Christians. You know what I mean? Nobody, nobody's perfect, but my point is this. You know, that the, the, these, you know, we, the, the, I guess where I'm heading with this is that we're all at different places in our walk, and I'm here to tell you, you know, we need to pray for them. We need to pray just because a person has done wonderful things for the Lord throughout their lives and have been a pretty really good Christian to the best of your, you know, you, from what you can tell, they're awesome Christians, praise Jesus, but they need prayer too. They're not where they need to be. We're not where we need to be. We don't know why we need to be where we need to be. That is the, That's one of the hardest things of all, because then you feel picked on, you know? It's really hard not to, you know, when those murder hornets are stinging, and stinging you, stinging, 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 and you can't get them things off of you. It's really hard not to be like Jesus, you know, that moment Jesus had on the cross and say, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? What have I done wrong? In reality, what you should be saying is, praise Jesus, I've obviously done something right. And that's where you you have to lay it at the foot of the cross. You have to trust Jesus. And you have to know that in the next couple of months, it's going to be progressing. It's going to be your prayers are going to be answered. You fought the good fight. You're still standing. And that's going to make the devil even a lot more angry. But once you overcome those problems, which you will, which you will, then you'll be able to look on it, look back on it and say, wow, I really did have the power of Jesus Christ. I really did have the power to take away all the authority of the demons. I really did have the power to remove their legal right and to cast them out. I really did have God sending an innumerable company of angels down to help. It all happened because I, I overcame. Sometimes you don't overcome right away. And that's, I think, why it's fascinating that the person that I was helping on the phone about 15 minutes prior to the show starting had said to me that in the Ramirez book, uh, you know, uh, you know, that you had 30 seconds to be able to hold hold your thought captive and to shift it over to praising Jesus and accepting the power and not allowing it to go into the pit, into the negativity. The negativity is scientifically speaking, just so you know. Science always ends up backing the Bible. Science always ends up backing Jesus. Always. And um, and again, what what the uh, especially the neurological uh, brain surgeon type specialist, what when they hook people up to all those sensors, they even did that at a University of Pennsylvania study on speaking in tongues. They were they were very scientists were very curious about it. So they and I even have an audio clip from it. They hooked people up that could speak in tongues in the hospital in this special test lab area, and they put all these sensors on their heads. <clears throat> and then they said, "Okay, speak in tongues." And the person would go, "Korabashiti mishiti amakunda And the doctors would stand back and go, "What the?" They couldn't believe that there were no the, – the, the speech centers of the human brain that they were measuring at the time the person was speaking in tongues were inactive. There was no sign. The brain itself was completely removed from the communication And the neurological scientists were looking at the screen going, that is impossible. 
But with God, all things are possible, right? Matthew 10, uh, 19, 26. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we just have to stand on it. We have to fight the good fight. We have got to listen to Terry Hill's message tonight because it's going to have a lot to do with what, you know, what we're talking about right now. And these are all really important for us to learn as we struggle through however long God wants us to keep on struggling through it. Um, and and it's getting intense, more and more intense, which it, it definitely seems to indicate that we have something we have to learn. And um, and it's and it's not all of us, you know. Maybe not all of us are gonna, you know. We all have different lessons, and maybe many of us have gone through enough already, right? Um, I I'm not, you know. But for those of us who are struggling and going through these kinds of things, what a blessing to understand the prayer tactics that we must employ, the determination that we must employ, never giving up and always getting better and better at praising God and knowing that we are going to have our answer. We praise, you're praising him for it. You're thanking him. You, you, all you can see is murder hornets heading right at you and you're praising God. And then you have got to that place that ideal, wonderful, glorious place where your eyes are focused on Jesus and you don't even know you're walking on water. Praise God. And on that note, we'll go right into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, wrong. It's not normal. This is Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the first headline, and kids, I haven't, I, I'm not ignoring you. I, I, I know. I love you guys. I love you guys. You can hang in there for me tonight, can't Okay. You're the best ever. The best ever. Ice cream for everybody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I could use a little ice cream myself. Cold stones, anybody? Anyway, praise God. All right, listen to this headline. Don't, don't, don't. Biden presses Putin on nuclear weapons. Now, listen, this is all over the headlines out there. I'm reading this from Al Jazeera News, but it's all over. CBS, you name it. Supposedly, what this is, the message that this is sending is that Biden is begging Putin not to use nuclear weapons. Now then, knowing how Satan operates because we know the wiles of the devil. What does this really mean? Putin has no intention of using nuclear weapons. If he was, he would have done it already. Now, they they are using them as a threatening mechanism to get the United States. They know that it's the Pentagon. They know it's the Department of They know who it is. They know who's attacking them. And it's the United States, and they're sick of it, and they're pissed. Excuse me for the use of that term, if that offends you. I didn't mean it to. Father, and if it offends you, please forgive me. But they're angry. Very angry. Now, then you put Biden's demonic face all over the world news, begging Putin not to use nuclear weapons. Why would he do that? Why Why would the global satanic crime syndicate do that? Why? I'll tell you why. Because they're getting ready to do a false flag. 
and they're going to blame it on Putin. Get it? So these are the setup. This is the setup. Oh, please, please don't use chemical weapons. Please, we beg you, Mr. Putin. And then they set off a chemical bomb. Oh, no, look what Russia did. It's, 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 anyway, so, Father, we just thank you and we praise you for helping us to have your wisdom in our hearts that we're able to see deceiving evil that's taking a place across the world and to be okay with it because we, because our citizenship is in heaven. And, Father, we pray that that peace and knowledge of that citizenship and that our focus on you and on the eyes of Jesus, even in the rough seas, will bring us through every step of the way. Hallelujah. All right. Now, I want to share this also with you. Let me scroll down a little bit. This is an audio bite from a guy. This man is a lawyer. He has an awful lot of followers. So he's big in social media. He's probably big on Facebook. Who knows how many different places he's big and wonderful at. But he's got and the reason why we know that he has probably millions of followers is because of what happened. And he's going to tell you what happened. All right. So I'm going to hold on a second. Let me see if I can double click and bring it up. I had my computer crash just before the radio show, of course, because, you know. I was just offered $400 to make an anti-Donald Trump propaganda post related to the January 6th investigation. That is completely not true. I should start out this video by saying I'm not a Donald Trump supporter, so that should give a little bit of context to where I'm coming from. I'm an attorney. I post legal news and analysis on related topics. Okay, here we go with the story. So first thing first, I get an email from somebody with the Good Info Foundation. We'll talk about them a little more in a minute. I'm going to refer to this person as Jane. Jane sent me a message letting me know she represented the Good Info Foundation and that she was willing to offer a paid collaboration to discuss some topics related to January 6th. I said, sure, why not? I'll learn some more. Jane says the Good Info Foundation will give me $400 to make a post on my page and then share it to Instagram. So you see that blue link? All right, here, we're going to follow it. These are the specific requirements in order to obtain that $400 of how I should refer to the January 6th Capitol raid. Number one, I must call this a criminal conspiracy. Number two, I must say Trump Republicans were responsible. Number three, I must frame it as an attack on my country, an attack on America or Americans, a criminal conspiracy and a committed crime. I must attribute the matter to MAGA Republicans. I must make clear that this was ongoing and unresolved. And most importantly, that I must channel all of this unto the manipulation of voter agencies so that I could turn their anger around this event into defiance that would make people more likely to vote in midterms. And the thing that struck me the most was this part, where I was told to talk about the aspects of the Trump campaign's plan, and I was supposed to say that the Trump campaign paid literally millions of dollars to make January 6th happen. So I figured, you know, maybe I missed something. So I said, hey, Jane, what is the basis for the claim that the Trump campaign itself paid millions of dollars to make the January 6th siege of the Capitol happen? Jane doesn't answer the question. Hi, Preston. If you don't want to state that in the video, it's fine. You don't have to use all the bullet points provided. So I kept going. Sure, I'm just wondering if there's support for that claim. Jane doesn't answer again. Let me know if you are interested and the rate works for you. Thanks so much. I'm not interested and the rate doesn't work for me. This is the Good Info Foundation. They boast on their homepage that good information is the lifeblood of a democracy. They further cry that we are in an information crisis. And you know the crazy thing about all of that? They're right. 
I was just offered four hundred dollars to make an anti. All right, that's it. It's, it'll auto. It's uh, automatically replaying. <clears throat> okay, praise God. And that was actually sent to me by my ex-wife. So um, she she's really waking up now, and uh, I praise God for that. And I'm glad this guy came forward. Um, I hope it flies across the internet by the quadrillions. Um, uh, and anyway, praise Jesus. You know, the more people that are awakened to these things, the better. But unfortunately. <sighs> The numbers of those who are unawake and severely handicapped and way, way, way unawake are very, very high. They're in the hundred. I would say they're over, well over 100 million, maybe 150 million or more that are so clueless. It's <laughs> that if it wasn't for autonomic nervous system accoutrements in our makeup, they wouldn't be able to breathe. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. Japan issues a tsunami alert as a 7.2 magnitude quake brings destruction on Taiwan. I wonder if that was a message from the Lord. Hmm. Make sure things that make you say, hmm, next one up. I don't have a lot of news, so we'll be able to get over to Sister Terry real quick. Praise Jesus, hallelujah. Next one up. Ukraine conflict could last until 2030, according to Orban. I don't know Orban, and at the end of the day, it ain't going to last until 2030 because I don't think our Heavenly Father is going to tolerate that. I'm pretty sure we'll be long gone already by then. Don't get mad at me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Ukrainian grain prices undercut the European Union farmers, according to the Wall Street Journal. So here you got the Ukrainian ships saving the day, sending all kinds of grain, fertilizer, and all the things that they need to be able to do what they got to do and feed their people. But because it came in at a lower price than the farmers needed it to come in, well, guess what? It completely... It just takes an axe to their economy. You know, if they're, you got to have the tariffs, you got to even the prices, or else you basically put your far, your own farmers uh, in a desperate and you know just very bad situation. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Next one up, biotech company wants to create embryos to harvest organs. Wow, and you know we already know these kinds of things are happening. They're creating chimeras. They're messing with stem cells. They're doing all kinds of horrible things. They they want to create you know all these. Little hybrid entities, so that they can, you know, take organs from them and live forever. And they're really doing everything that, that God warned us about, you know, as in the days of Noah and all that kind of stuff. It's all in full swing. Praise God, thank you, Jesus. And I really think our time is very, very limited here. Of course, all things are relative, so I don't really know how what that actually means. I hear people saying things like, you know, I just don't think we're going to be here much longer. But then I'm like, well, what can you define? the words much longer for me, you know, that it just kind of leaves it dangling out there, you know, um, praise God. But I, I'll tell you what, if a giant meteor fell from the sky right now, right on top of my house, I wouldn't be crying about it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. European demand triggers your uranium price surge. Oh, no. Now they're not going to be able to afford to buy more nuclear weapons. <coughs> my goodness. Could it be any worse? Next one up. 
The Central Bank of Canada is losing money for the first time ever on rising rates and anticipates losses for the next three years. Numerous central banks around the world are now losing money. Uh, Strange Sounds, the Strange Sounds website, they attacked that guy, uh, and now they demonetized him. So basically he was running advertisements on his website in order to probably you know, have a sandwich once in a while, the poor guy. And, uh, yep, they, they went and attacked the, the strange sounds guy. He's been around for 10 years and now he's, uh, you know, he says, uh, please click here to support my work. I've been cut off from all, you know, monetization, charitable. So now he's strictly working on charitable donations. God bless him. There's going to be a lot of people in that situation. I just hope it's not me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Hallelujah. Putin process of de-dollarization is currently underway. And again, um, for anybody who understands BRICS and the various other consortiums of monetary uh, power in the world that are outside of the petrodollar, which is the United States uh, hegemony, uh, you know, is used as a weapon uh, against all the other countries in the world so that we can tell them what to do and force. Well, anyway, you know, you've got these other agencies now, that, and, and there's more than one, and they all kind of like work together. So basically Brazil, India, China, uh, you know, Russia. You've got South Africa. Now you've got a whole bunch of other countries as well from the Eastern Bloc and stuff that are all kind of thumbing their nose at uh, the West trying to destroy the world. And they're like, forget that noise. We're not going to freeze to death. And they're going ahead and buying Russian oil. So a lot of them, oh, and Turkey starting to look real interested in joining them as well. That'll be pretty noteworthy. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Alaska hit by the most powerful storm in decades, 50-foot waves. And let me tell you something, folks. 50-foot waves are big. They are big. Can you imagine the one that's going to hit Florida after the Ethan Rodriguez meteor hits off the coast of Puerto Rico? It's supposed to be like a 1,000-foot high. Can you imagine that? I, you know, I, I don't think I'll still be here. I pray in Jesus' name that I'm not going to be still here. But I, but by golly, I'll be on the if I am, I'm going to be on the roof of my house with some really powerful binoculars, me and my dogs. I haven't figured out how to get my dogs up on the roof of my house. They, they'll probably freak out. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. The Sun reports that fire and fury, dramatic moment, Putin stages massive war games and, and right beside the United States coast, complete with 30 ships and nuclear submarines as a war. Warning to the West. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Oh, Putin, Mr. Putin, please don't. You get, don't use any nukes or chemical weapons. Oops, there you did it again. Just, just Hannibal Lecter, open our skulls, scrape out what's left of the gray matter, and just let us sit in the corner and be... Dumb and happy like everyone else that doesn't have any idea what's going on. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. Power prices in Germany forecasted to soar. Oh, come on. That deserves. You're good. <laughs> Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. Praise God. Next one up. Breitbart reports Europe's winter of discontent. Berlin police are drawing up emergency plans for a possible energy grid collapse. Now, they're not talking about increases in prices. They're talking about the whole energy grid going down. That's very, you know, like Klaus Schwabish. <laughs> Is it going to come over here? Where is it? Yeah, 
Buckle up, folks. Get your, you know, if you can scrape up enough money to get yourself a generator and some gas, believe me, it comes in really handy. And if you're thinking going solar, it ain't what it's cut out to be, let me just tell you. I, I've designed solar systems myself, and you're going to end up spending, even for a small one, easily $10,000. And you're going to be surprised at how poorly it performs. You, for a $10,000 off-grid solar panel system with really good batteries, you might be able to keep a refrigerator, a light, a fan, and a fish tank going. And if you're really lucky for a short period of time, maybe even a room-sized air conditioner, but not for long, not for long. Because those things, when they, when they decharge down to the 60% mark, you've got to shut them off. And then you got to hope there's so much sun out there that, that it replenishes the batteries pretty quick. And if it's a little cloudy, game over. And you wish you had the gas generator. Of course, a gas generator has drawbacks, too. You can, you know, five gallons of gas running all night long. That's all you get, five gallons all night. Then you're done. So you got to, like, I don't know, run it for a while, then shut it off, then run it for a while, then shut it off, then, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, of course, your neighbors will come over with their uh, big, long, 100-foot orange uh, power cords, and you can't turn them down. You can't be putting big Jesus flags on the front of your house and on the back of your car, and then people come over with their, you know, it, and you can't be, like, looking at them going, why didn't you go buy a, uh, your own generator? <laughs> no, you've got to say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Here, give me that plug. I'll stick that right in here. I hope, I hope this blesses you, brother. God bless you. We're on our way out. Be sure to tell them, let them know that you're on your way out, that you're getting ready to leave. And you might even want to say, you want to come with? That could turn into a very interesting uh, and awesome All the Angels in Heaven singing moment. Praise God. Next up, Moscow has a potential to buy uh, potential new buyers for half of its oil, according to Bloomberg. All right, we're about 10 minutes into Terry's time. Let's hurry up with this. African leader tells the United States, do not punish our continent. Why should he have to say that? Because he sees what's happening in Europe, and he sees Biden with his black, demonic, perfectly possessed, satanic, reptilian eyes standing there trying to tell them that they need to join in with the great United States and allow your country to suffer, too. Oh, boy. Next. Nasrallah, the head guy and I, one of the head guys over Hezbollah and everything, warns Hezbollah missiles are locked on offshore Israeli gas fields. Dun, dun, dun. Next up. Facebook spied on private messages of conservative right-wing individuals and then reported them to the FBI for domestic terrorism. So for those of you out on Facebook that are having a good old time using their messenger, thinking that maybe it's just a little bit more private than the rest of it, wrong. Next one up. Ukraine mauls long-range rocket deliveries from the United States, according to the foreign minister. And Russia has already said, you better not do that. You're crossing a red line. You know, quite honestly, I think we've crossed like 50 red lines already. And again, I'm with Robert Vandrius Mitchell. I can't. It's, it's, it's astonishing the, uh, the, uh, how, how Putin has held back thus far. And any of the, 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 the jaw-flapping rhetoric narrative stuff out there that suggests for a millisecond that, you know, <laughs> 
Russia's on the run. No way, folks. Oh, my gosh. It, it, absolutely not. They will move troops around. They will give up towns. It's all strategy and, and tactics, and that's – believe me, they're going to take Odessa. They're going to get – this, this – we've only just begun, <laughs> you know? Pound, the pound, which is, you know, what we call a dollar, uh, over in the United Kingdom, sinks to a new 37-year low as inflation soar. Another headline, Lebanese blanks, banks, banks to close next week after more branches are stormed. And why? Because people are rushing to banks and they're demanding. One woman even went inside the bank and said, I'm not taking no for an answer. And she pulls a gun out to get her 13000 out of her savings account. <laughs> they're, 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 what they're doing is they're experiencing what we're all going to experience soon enough. 1929, 1930, 31, 32, 33, 34. Go back, study it, realize it. That's it. That's the third seal. Buckle up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Depression confirmed. Depression confirmed. How ironic. I was just talking about that. J.P. Morgan, CEO, warns that the United States is heading towards something far worse than a recession. Well, doesn't take a degree in rocket science to figure that one out. Praise God. Next one up. Is a space war about to start? The Kremlin is threatening to destroy Elon Musk's Starlink satellites. I hope he does. <clears throat> I hope they do. Next one up. Praise God. Biden's Treasury Secretary sounds an alarm on higher gas prices coming. So we went all the way up, 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 and then it came back down because they were like, we got to do the midterms. We've got to do the midterms. Trick everybody. Trick everybody. Bring the gas prices down. Come on. Hurry up. Bring them down. And now they're saying, oh, oh well, uh, looks like they're going back up again. Anyway, so buckle up for that. Next one up. Martha's Vineyard declares a humanitarian crisis because somebody busts 50 illegal aliens to them. Argentina hikes its interest rate to 75% as inflation nears 100%. And there are cracks appearing in the Earth's magnetosphere as the equinox approaches. All of these things sound marginally bad, but they're not really marginally bad. They're supremely bad. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And on that note, let's bring on Sister Terry Hill. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Sister Terry, are you there? Yes, I'm here, John. Can you hear me all right? You sound really, really good. Thank you for this awesome subject. Thank you. It's anointed. The timing is very supernatural. Um, as a matter of fact, somebody that I was helping who's going through some really very, very, very difficult times, I mean, as bad as it can possibly get, really, um, had unwittingly, without any knowledge whatsoever, literally quoted the title of this radio show as she was explaining to me how she is working to deal with these extremely horrific problems that she's going through. So anyway, I just thought the timing, that coincidence was unbelievably supernatural. And it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of us. It may not be all of us, but it's a lot of us going through what appears to be insurmountable problems that are increasing in intensity. 
and um, it's all it's relentless. So anyway, praise God. Thank you for joining us tonight, and I'm just going to go ahead and fade back into the background and let you run with the mic. Thank you, and God bless you, Terry. Well, thank you, John, for having me on tonight, and as always, such a privilege to share God's word and to be with my brothers and sisters, and uh, let's just open with a word of prayer. Father, we commit this night into your hands. We give you praise and we thank you that you know the need of every listener. You know every tear that they have shed. You are moved by the pain of your children. You, Jesus, bore our griefs and you carried our sorrows. You understood the emotions and the struggle that we have while we're in our human bodies on planet Earth. And so, Father, I ask that you would just Hide me behind the cross and bring forth your word now to touch your people, to do what only you can do. And my desire, Father, as always, is that your son would be lifted up, that you may draw all men unto him. And so I thank you for it, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, our Messiah, our soon coming king. Beloved, before I dive into the word, I want to... um, give you an opportunity to uh, send me an email if you have comments, if you have prayer requests, uh, you can reach me at a word in due season 777 at gmail.com. I also invite you to visit my website where uh, many documents have been posted and that is a word in due season.com. So, again, um, I welcome your prayer requests, your comments. Um, If you need me to send you some show notes, if there's anything I can do for you to help you in your walk and to stand with you, I am happy to do so. So let's start by going into Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to start reading at verse 1, Romans chapter 12. And so Paul is saying, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, I want to comment just for a minute. Basically, what he's saying here is just presenting ourselves every day. And and so I just want to share with you, this is how I do it, when I have my time with the Lord in and out through the day, but generally very early in the morning, said, Father, I just simply present myself to you in my own brokenness and my own fatigue. I'm tired. I may be suffering in my body. I may be facing circumstances. I don't know what my next step is going to be. He just simply said here, just present yourself as a living and holy sacrifice. And he says, this is a spiritual service of worship. I think it's interesting that that helps to define Worship right there, right? Worship is a lifestyle. Now listen to verse 2, which I believe the Holy Spirit highlighted to me should be the message for tonight. In verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I want to talk uh, and just uh, cover something that's very basic that probably most of you know, but I think it's worth just sharing. When we, each of us as individuals, come to the place that we are aware that we are lost, 
all right? We are separated from God. The gospel has been presented to us. We have heard it. We have read it. Someone shares with us. We realize, as in Exodus chapter 20, God lays down his commandments, and we are aware of the fact that we have broken God's law. There is not one righteous person, not one. We are separated from God. We are uh, sinners. We are self-willed. We are completely, totally lost, separated from the Lord Jesus Christ, from our Heavenly Father. So Jesus came to die in our place. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And so when we come to that place, seeing our own helpless condition, and this is how I came to realize this is how we share the gospel people have to hear, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. They have to hear the word of God preached to them, all right? So individuals need to know, and you and I need to know, that we're all guilty. We've broken God's law. None of us have kept it. We're guilty of breaking all of God's law, all right? So at that moment that we believe, when we believe, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died in our place for our trespasses and sin, we then at that point must repent of our sin, knowing that uh, repentance is the first step, all right? We must confess before men that Jesus is the Son of God. We need to be baptized in water, which is an outward expression of being buried with Christ, and then raised to the newness of life. And later we learn about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We learn about the baptism in fire. We learn about the baptism into the body. And then we must be obedient to God and faithful to him unto death. But the first thing we do, if we're talking about having our mind renewed, because we want to be transformed, right? Um, This body is wearing out. I tell you what, this earth suit Uh, Like Paul said, the outer man is perishing, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. We have to present our bodies daily. We do it one time uh, when we recognize that we need to be born again. All right, so having said that, when we do that, when there is a true regeneration, now regeneration is the new birth, all right? That is the new birth. That's the inner spiritual change and condition. It's where we start. And this transformation will give us a new heart. But what we must understand is that the engrafted word is able to save our soul. Okay? So what we need to do is ask the Father to help us to cooperate with him that we could renew our mind because we are body, soul, and spirit. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body, okay? So the first thing that happens at regeneration is that dead spirit is made alive. We're quickened, made alive unto Christ. And at that moment when there's truly we are born again, God gives us grace at that time. Now, certainly grace was given at the cross over 2,000 years ago, but grace is extended to us so that we can have access to God through Jesus' death on the cross. And at that moment, we must believe, we must understand that we are forgiven, period. We are forgiven of our sins from the past. At that moment, we are justified by faith through the grace. We are sanctified 
And the sanctification process begins and the glorification process it begins as well. Now, we need to renew our mind, beloved, and the soulish realm, okay? If James 1.21 says the engrafted word is able to save our soul, that word engrafted means implanted. So as we hear the word, as we believe the word, as we meditate in God's word, it becomes a part of us. Like David said, I've hidden thine word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So as our mind is being renewed, okay, the soul realm is the mind, the emotions, and the will, okay? So it is a daily decision. Today I choose to walk with you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Today I lay my life down as a living, holy sacrifice. Please live your life through me. Uh, Let your grace flow through me. Let your compassion and your service flow through me because, Father, I'm weak, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm upset today, and so I place these burdens at the foot of the cross. Here we go, Jesus. I'm placing these things at the foot of the cross at the beginning of my day. And there'll be times we go through the day and then we're hit with something. Uh, John was talking about hornet's nest. We've actually had to call the uh, exterminator to come out to the house here because there were three wasp nests that were being built under the eaves of the house here. Came out once, had to come back again. These little um, wasps, uh, just like the enemy, because we're engaged in spiritual warfare, are persistent. We have to stay on it. When we see that something is being built, in fact, in times past, my husband would go out and literally blast those things down uh, with a hose. And if that didn't work, if they kept building, then again, you call an exterminator. But the point I'm making is they are persistent. And so we have to be persistent. And as we go through our day, when we're hit, when we realize, wow, what just happened? It's like a blow that hits us. We have to ask the Father to help us bring our emotions, our soul, under the jurisdiction of the Spirit, because our Father's design and Jesus wants us to walk after the Spirit. And in fact, his uh, description of the abundant life uh, is different than perhaps we would consider the abundant life is the spirit-filled life, the abundant life, John 10, 10, I have come, that they would have life and have it more abundantly. Now, Jesus came because we were lost, we were separated from God, we could not earn our way to heaven, that's what religion does, it sows big leaves together, it tries to... um, forms or the efforts of religion. It's Reformation is actually a change brought about by efforts of men. See, Reformation does not change the condition of the heart, beloved. What you and I must understand is we walk out the door every day as we talk with people or engage them in conversation. There are two kinds of people that we're going to meet, only two. Number one, people who are ready to meet Jesus, their creator, their Messiah, or people who are not ready to meet him, meaning their soul has not been saved. They have not yielded and surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, there is a difference between transformation and reformation. There is a difference between regeneration or reconstruction. Now, I enjoy watching... um, 
some of the home improvement shows. I have worked with decorators in the past. I like decorating. It's fun for me. I, I can go into a room and I can see, wow, we could do this, this, and this. I love to decorate. I love to fix things up. I had a business at one time called Salvaged Goods, and I actually would find uh, old pieces of furniture, little things. I would refinish them, wonderful little accent pieces, and sell them because I saw the possibility of what they could be. Now, let me just share, though we are not like um, the houses that we watch on television where people will come in, they actually will do um, renovation. They'll take part of it down and put other pieces up, and they'll bring in new furniture, and they'll um, use show pieces to try to get the house to sell. Um, this is different than the human condition, beloved. You see, reformation and reconstruction have to do with outer external change, our outer condition. And here's the thing. Non-regenerated men, in other words, people who have not been born again, will attempt to change their own condition by reorganizing or rebuilding a system or try to rebuild their lives and incorporate their own ideas. But Proverbs 14:12 tells us there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. Okay, so um, the issue that we have to be aware of is people's eternity. Um, as I sit with the Lord day after day after day, I cannot tell you the sense of urgency that I have in my heart is to share the love of Christ. Now, I want to talk about the love of Christ for a minute because I'm a part of a, um, a little discussion group with a handful of women and we're talking about love, and what does it really look like? How does it play out? There is tough love. There is love that affirms. There is love that encourages and builds up. But there's also something called tough love, and there are facets of God's love that we learn about as we walk with him. You see, when we meet someone who is hurting, this is what Jesus did. This is, this is how he explained it to me. I hope it helps you. There is a difference between human sympathy and divine compassion, okay? Human sympathy comes from that area of the soulish realm, the mind, the emotions, and the will. And in our emotional distress, when we see another human being in distress, we want to fix that pain. We, we truly are moved by the pain of others. We want to relieve their suffering. We want to help. We want to see that pain lessened in their lives because something happens when Jesus comes into our lives. We, we want to help them. But here's what we have to do. We have to ask our Father for wisdom. And I don't know about you, but the discussions I'm having with people, the things that people are going through, <clears throat> and I like your illustration, John, of, of the, um, the hornet's nest because we've had wasp nests around here, and I understand that. Uh, when we see people being hit with a barrage of assault, the one thing that I am being impressed from by the Lord is that Jesus does never, ever compromise truth in the name of love. If we understand that it's the truth that will set people free, it may not be what we react to with our own human sympathy, but it will be divine compassion moving with wisdom in doing the right thing at that moment that's going to touch them. Let me give an example. <clears throat> a neighbor uh, falls sick and ill 
and you know they've just had surgery. And I've had this experience where I know that someone may not be saved, but I'm trying to reach this neighbor. And so I say, Father, what do I do? I, I can't alleviate their pain. I can pray for them. But what can I do practically to help them to see that there's a bigger picture? There's something else at work here. Because even in the book of Job, we're told that God uses pain even uh, when a person is on their sickbed to draw them away from falling into hell. So we understand that God uses pain in the lives of those around us, in our own lives, to draw us closer to himself. So he will say something practical to me. For example, um, go ahead and make a meal and knock on the door, ask, is it all right if I bring a meal over to you? And they usually will say, oh, yes, that would be really great. And I've had that opportunity to do that. And then if, depending on the relationship which you have with them, just saying the right phrase or the right word at the right time, you know, I'm here for you. Um, please contact me or let me know if there's something that I can do. And many times I have been led to give them a tract or just a little Bible verse. It doesn't have to be the whole plan of salvation, but sometimes he will have me do that, sometimes not. What we need to understand is that when Jesus looks at the whole genre of suffering humanity, okay, he has divine compassion. He said, I only do that which I see my Father doing. When Jesus had compassion on the multitudes, he preached the gospel to them. He taught them the requirements of what it meant to be a disciple. And he said some things that were offensive to people. He said things like, unless uh, you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. If you love your father, mother, sister, brother, uh, your own life, if you love this world more than you love me, you cannot be my disciple. So when we're talking about the difference between transformation or reformation, everybody wants to see a sick body made whole. I don't think there's any of us that have walked with Christ any length of time. We know what it's like to suffer in our bodies. We know what it's like when we pray and stand and believe and God heals. We're so grateful for that. But here's the issue. The outer man is still going to perish. Jesus heals an individual of an affliction, but the clock is ticking. That person eventually is going to experience something else in their body because our outer man is perishing. Jesus never, ever said, don't pray that your outer man would perish. What he prayed is that we would be removed, or excuse me, renewed. He wants us to be renewed in the inner man. So again, the transformation of the renewing of the mind, uh, again, he is qualifying his people right now those are going to be transformed into his likeness beloved are being proven worthy right now okay and he doesn't just take some old parts and some new pieces and blend them together because you see that's what renovation and reformation and reconstruction does it tries to make a change on the outside just like uh with the programs that you may see where they're uh, refurbishing an old house, what they'll do sometimes is bring in old pieces and they'll remove part of a home, but they'll replace it with other parts. That doesn't apply to human beings, beloved. Here's the thing. You and I and every human being, we are fallen, regardless of any enhancement or self-improvement or change that takes place in 
society, regardless of any laws that are passed, any legislation, any of this, beloved, Jesus makes all things new. We need to understand and share and show people that God loves us so much, but the only answer is the person of Jesus Christ. The answer, beloved, is not the church. The church is here to heal. The church is here to comfort. In fact, when there is a community of believers that is operating in a biblical manner, I just want to read this to you in Acts chapter 2. Starting at verse 37, Peter is actually um, preaching the gospel, and people were hearing the gospel message. And it says in verse 37 of Acts 2, when they heard this message, they were pierced to their hearts. So when the gospel message is preached, when the full counsel of God is given, when the sword of the spirit and the word of God is presented, it's going to pierce and divide and bring a conviction by the power of the Holy Spirit. And verse 38, it says, uh, Peter said to them, repent, let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because they were asking, what do we do to be saved? And um, let me drop down now to verse 41 of Acts 2, because I want you to see a picture of active body life. The church as it was designed to be church in the earth. It says in verse 41, those who had received the word were baptized, okay? It says there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, notice the community, the way God's people work together. In verse 42, it says they were continually devoting themselves to apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Beloved, fellowship is so important. There are no lone rangers in the body of Christ. We need fellowship. If you only meet with one or two or a large congregation or Zoom or online, we need fellowship. We need accountability. We need one another, okay? That's part of the baptism into the body, okay? It says that they devoted themselves to teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Notice verse 43. Everyone was feeling a sense of awe because the Spirit of God was moving. Many signs and wonders were taking a place through the apostles. Verse 44, notice this. This is practicality now. This is where we all live. Those who believed were together. They had all things in common. Verse 45, notice what they do to help their brothers and sisters and the hurting and the distressed. It says they sold their property and their possessions. They shared them with everyone, anyone who might have need. Verse 46, day by day they continued with one mind in the temple, so they were meeting from house to house, okay? They broke bread from house to house. They had their meals together, and they had gladness and sincerity apart. Verse 47 says they were praising God, having favor, with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, what I shared with you is a picture of healthy body life among members of the body of Christ. Now, in the days that are coming, I believe there will be more people moving in together because of the rising prices, the cost of living, and the days that are coming, it's going to get harder 
But notice the heart condition of these people. It says they had all things in common. They sold what they had, and they shared their possessions, whoever has needs. So to begin with, love is very practical. Uh, divine compassion will move. It, will, it, it involves action. And our emotions, again, have to come under the jurisdiction of the Holy Spirit because if our emotions are not in check, beloved, we can say and do things so quickly without thinking that later, had we waited upon the Lord for instruction, we would have found he would have had a more effective way to help us to lead that person to faith in Christ. Now, here's the thing. We do that as we can. We share the gospel as we can. We share meals. Uh, We can listen to others. We pray for others. We share the word of God with others. We meet with others. But when it comes down to it, the scripture is clear, Philippians 2.12. We have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I cannot work out my spouse's salvation, my children or grandchildren's salvation. I cannot work out someone else's salvation that I am praying for. They have to work that out for themselves. But what I can do, certainly pray that the Spirit of God would come with such conviction to bring them to that place of full surrender. Because the Bible tells us that there are going to be a people who are changed in the twinkling of an eye. Now, it's an issue, beloved, of being proven worthy. I want to read a scripture to you in Philippians 3, starting at verse 8. This is Apostle Paul telling the church at Philippi. He said, I count all things to be of loss. Let me just present this to you, my brothers and sisters. All of us are living in a home somewhere, sometime. Maybe some of you have been living in a car or um, in a motor home or you're in a transient situation right now, okay? Notice what Paul says. He says, I'm counting everything to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I want to say that again. He said, I've suffered the loss of all things. Maybe the loss that you have suffered is a home, a job, a spouse, a child, possessions, property. Maybe you've suffered loss of good health, okay? He said, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Verse 9, that I might be found in him, not having a righteous of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Verse 10, why? He said, I set all of that beside. I don't look back. I've suffered these things. I count them but lost. He said, verse 10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection. Beloved, I'm looking to a day of resurrection. Aren't we all looking forward to that day of resurrection? Hallelujah. There's an inner resurrection taking place inside of every one of God's children right now as we continue day by day, taking up the cross. He says that I might know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Wow, he would have to go and put that right in the word of God for us to read, right? Wouldn't it be easier to say that I just might know him, the power of his resurrection, and leave that part out? But notice what he says, that I would know the fellowship of his sufferings, that I would know and be conformed to his death, 
Now notice what his goal is in verse 11. Wow, this is important. In order that I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. The original language says that I may attain to the out-resurrection from the dead. Paul said in verse 12, I haven't already attained it. I am not already perfect, but I'm pressing on for something in order that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of for by Christ Jesus. Verse 13 says, brethren, I haven't laid hold of it yet, but there's one thing I do. I forget what lies behind and I reach forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal. The King James says the mark. I press on toward the goal for the prize. Wow. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are being proven right now. There's an inner transformation taking place right now in the lives and the hearts of God's people who are carrying the cross. It doesn't mean we don't drop it sometimes. It doesn't mean we don't miss the mark sometimes. But it does mean we haven't thrown it away. It does mean that we're trusting Christ with all the strength we have, whether we have lots of strength or little strength. You see, there's an issue of becoming worthy. And those who love the world or their family or their own lives more than Christ are not worthy of him. We have to be accounted worthy to escape things that are coming to stand in his presence. Luke 21, 36 tells us that. We have to walk in a manner worthy of God and our calling, okay? And enduring persecution and tribulation makes us worthy of the kingdom of God. 2 Thessalonians 1, 4 to 5 tells us that. We are being made worthy of a kingdom. The kingdom at present is within us. The kingdom doesn't come by observation. The church does not usher in the kingdom. The church preaches the gospel to the lost. Beloved, our assignment is a great commission. Amen. And Jesus tells us that those who are worthy have not defiled their garments. I'm going to read to you now, take you into the book of Revelation just for a moment. That's Revelation 3, starting at verse 4. Jesus is addressing the church at Sardis. And we know, and we've talked about this before, that these churches, the seven churches in the book of Revelation, all of them have three applications. Okay, so the messages to the seven churches have three applications. First, a local historical application, right? These were historical churches. Secondly, it has a prophetic application. Thirdly, there's an individual application, all right? So anyone that says or refuses to say that this applies to us, that this was a former time, no. There is a present application. So Jesus says in Revelation 3, 4 to 5, in his message to the church at Sardis, uh, actually, let's go back to verse 3. Remember what you've heard. Uh, Receive it. Keep it. and Repent. If you don't wake up, I will come like a thief, and you won't know at what hour I come upon you. But notice what he says in verse 4. You have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. We're being proven to be worthy. Overcomers, verse 5, thus will be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. 
So let's talk about this for a minute. Let's talk about this qualifying, the inner transformation, the regeneration of the new birth at work in us, because everything in the world flies in the face of that. It will contradict that. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to principle, first of all, there are some who are worthy who have not defiled their garments. We know in Revelation 19, 7 to 8, uh, the bride has made herself ready. She's kept her garments white. How do we do that? Okay, we walk in a place when we think about the mess all around us. We think about the filth of the world. We think about the soil. I mean, we, you get your children ready for school in the morning. You send them out, <clears throat> wash their clothes. They come back. Wow, their clothes are dirty. Well, they've been out in the world. They've been uh, playing. They've been uh, in sports. They've been on the playground. They have been going here and there. They spill things on each other. You know, we understand the natural application here, but they get washed, right? We wash the garments when they get soiled. So Jesus says that this group that are worthy, okay, are not guilty of spiritual fornication or idolatry, and they don't practice immorality, okay? They're walking by faith in communion with Jesus. They don't deny him. They don't depart from him. And they're spiritually rich, obedient, zealous, and watchful. They demonstrate purity in their lifestyle, in their worship, and in their doctrine. Okay, they don't embrace false doctrine. Okay, they're given white robes, and white in scripture <clears throat> with the robes is symbolic of purity and joy, and that points to immorality and glory, immortality and glory. And so those who do walk with the Messiah in their lifetime again, it doesn't mean that we don't miss the mark sometimes. It, it doesn't mean that we don't deny him by our words or our speech. It means we're quick to repent and get back and stay in communion and fellowship with him, beloved. It means we confess it, it's done, and it's gone, and we don't let the enemy hammer us and uh, accuse us of something we've already confessed before him, okay? We have to keep going that way and pressing and pressing because the accuser works really hard. So if we are walking with him, in our lifetime, that we're going to walk with him after death, all right? So the world has their own idea. The world talks about reforms. The world talks about an outer external change to change the human condition, to change the environment, to change the climate, to change the uh, system that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But again, Jesus did not come so that we could be improved human beings he did not come to make us a better person he did not come so that we could turn over a new leaf he came because we were lost separated from our father because we are wicked because we are vile because we are sinners because we've broken god's law and we understand that and we get that we'll begin to get a greater understanding of the grace of god that was given to us and offered to us through the death of Jesus Christ because by no merit of our own did we earn or could we earn this salvation gift that was freely given. Now, let's talk for a minute about the system of Antichrist and the spirit of this world and of this age. And we all know that the Bible tells us that the whole world lies under the power of the wicked one. We know that. The word of God has told us that. 
Now, what I want to do is I want to start. I want to uh, let's let's go into the book of Ezekiel for a minute because I feel this is important that we see this. Ezekiel 13. Ezekiel 13, starting at verse three. Now, when we talk about false prophets or false messengers, okay, false messengers have worked their way into churchianity. False messengers have worked their way into the new world order. False messengers speak through the airwaves, uh, through radio, through television, through conferences, everywhere. False messengers are speaking. Now notice what the Lord says in Ezekiel 13, verse 3 to 6. He says, thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who are following their own spirit, and they have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets have been like foxes among ruins. Verse 5, you have not gone up into the breaches, nor did you build a wall around the house of Israel to stand in the battle of the day of the Lord. Now, the Lord is talking about those who claim to speak for God, okay, but he has not sent them. This is what he says in verse 6. They see falsehood, lying divination. They're saying the Lord declares when the Lord said, I haven't sent them, yet they hope for the fulfillment of their word. Did you get that? They proclaim words, they're the prognosticators, and some who claim to speak for Christ, it says they're hoping for the fulfillment of their word. Okay, now drop with me down to verse 10 of Ezekiel 13. Listen, Jesus says through his prophet, it's definitely because they've misled the people by saying peace, there's no peace. When anyone builds a wall, they're plastering it over with whitewash. Verse 11, tell those who plaster it over with whitewash, it's going to fall. A flooding rain is coming, and old hailstones are going to fall. A violent wind is going to break out. Verse 12, behold, when the wall is fallen, will you not be asked, where's the plaster that you use to plaster it? Therefore, thus says the Lord, I will make a violent wind break out in my wrath. There will also be in my anger a flooding rain, hailstones to consume it in wrath. Verse 14, I'm going to tear down the wall which you have plastered over with whitewash. Bring it down to the ground so that its foundation is being laid bare. When it falls, you will be consumed in its midst, and you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 15, thus I shall send my wrath on the wall and on those who have plastered it with whitewash. And I'm going to say to you, the wall is gone, and it's plasters are gone along with the prophets of Israel who prophesy falsely. Now, let me just talk for a minute about that. A false messenger would daub the wall. In other words, they would plaster with what the Bible and King James calls it untempered mortar. That literally means that which is unseasoned. It's not properly mixed. It's foolish and it has no power to hold together. False messengers in the world some that have crept into churchianity, attempt to whitewash the exterior. In other words, they're applying a false sense of security upon a wall that's flimsy and broken to begin with, okay? And it's to cover up the appearance of that which is really underneath. We need to understand that that's what religion does. It pushes for reform. And Jesus talked about it in Luke's gospel, chapter 11. Jesus said, uh, you try to make clean the outside of the cup, 
But your real problem is the unclean inner condition. And he always spoke right to um, the issue at hand. Uh, You see, when an individual or a group or a movement says we have to project the right image, so we're going to try to clean up our act, we're going to make everything look good on the outside, we're going to decorate our church building, we're going to start a new program, we're going to this and this and this and this. Uh, Jesus is looking at the inner condition of every human being and including the ecumenical movement and the new apostolic reformation. Again, there's that word reformation, but reformation, again, is just a change brought about by the efforts of men for self-glory for their own purposes. Jesus says we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, by being in the word, by asking, asking the Father to allow the word to work deep within us, okay? So their efforts are to bring about order, love, and unity by blending, this is what the ecumenical movement does, by blending different faiths and religious practices. And yes, new age practices are being incorporated. There is a um, great apostasy that's already beginning. People have fallen away from the faith and the compromise continues. The organized church is a mess. I'm guessing that every one of you that is listening already knows that and sees that because we've departed from the ancient path. We need to open those wells up and start drinking from the wells of salvation, beloved, because the Philistines have thrown the dirt in and it's defiled. And the worship, that so much of what we're calling worship, it's nothing but those foot pumps of Egypt trying to get the flow going when, in fact, God says, I see these are your own efforts. The water is muddy. We need some clean, new cisterns here. But the world system, non-regenerated men, fallen men are trying to bring change. They're trying to bring moral change, okay, environmental change, political change, economic, societal change through their own wisdom. But Jesus clearly says this world cannot be salvaged, all right? He's going to make all things new. I want to read to you the prayer that he prayed, and I've read this before, but again, I think it's important that we read it so we understand when our master prayed for his disciples, I think it's important that we see what he prayed for and how he prayed. So in John's Gospel 17, starting at verse 6, Jesus said, I manifested your name to the men that you gave me, Father, out of the world. They are yours. You gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they've come to know everything that you've given me is from you. For the words you gave me, Father, I've given to them. They received them. They understood that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. And I'm asking on their behalf. I don't ask on behalf of the world. The King James Version said, I don't pray for the world. Let me just stop and comment here because we need to understand what the Greek is saying here. Jesus is praying for the men that the Father gave him in the world. That word world in the Greek is cosmos. That means the present world order, system, and arrangement. Jesus was not praying for the world order, the system, the arrangement that is presently under the power of the evil one. He is praying for disciples and apostles 
and sinners like you and me that he calls out of the world. Okay, let me continue reading. Go with me now down to verse 16. Notice what Jesus continues to pray. He said, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Beloved, how are we sanctified? We're sanctified in the truth. Thy word is truth. That's what he said. Thy word is truth. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, Father, I also have sent them into the world. Now, notice in verse 19, for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves may be sanctified in truth. Now, Jesus was praying not only for them, but he's praying for you and I in verse 20. It's, we can see here, notice what he says. I'm not asking just in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That's you and me, beloved. If we're born again today, bought by the blood of the lamb, purchased by his blood, it's because of the word that someone else shared with us. Someone gave us the Bible. Someone shared their faith and their testimony with us. Someone said the right thing at the right time. Faith came and there was a new birth. So Jesus is saying right here, I'm not just praying for the disciples at the present. Father, I'm praying for those who are coming because of their testimony. And beloved, you need to understand something. You are powerful, anointed, called, equipped, and loved by the Father. You have the goods. All you have to do is open your mouth. All you have to do is share what Jesus has done for you. Someone is hurting. You're in a position to help them. Do something practically if you can and share the love of Christ in a practical way, but please tell them the truth. Tell them they must be born again and share with them what that step is. Verse 21, he said that they may all be one, even as you, Father, and I, you are in me and I'm in you, that they also would be in us that the world may believe that you did send me. When I read that passage of scripture from Acts chapter 2, this is the result. This is what he began to see now. They were one. They had all things common. They were giving things to help people. It cost them something. They had to pay a price. They were accountable to one another. They loved one another. They prayed for one another. They stayed in the word of God. So again, uh, the point being, Jesus said, I did not come to save the world system. I came to save the people who are locked in and living in the world system. Go with me, please, now to 2 Kings 23. 2 Kings 23. I was impressed to share this passage of scripture because what we're looking at here is a godly king. In fact, um, some of you will recognize Josiah from your reading in the Old Testament in 2 Kings. This was a remarkable young man. I want to read something to you that um, the Lord wanted recorded about his life. It's 2 Kings 23, 25. And it says here, Before him there was no king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. 
Now, this was a godly king of Judah. And I dare say that I'm talking to some godly ones today who are hurting over what they see in their families, their businesses, their states, their nation. They're seeing the corruption, the idolatry, the immorality. You see the idol worship. You see family members, friends going after and serving other gods. They're bowing to other images. They've sold themselves into sin. They're given over to immorality. They're given over to addictions, serious sin. Even some, I know, as I'm just sitting here, I know some of you are are uh, grieving on the inside because you're watching what's happening, not only in your own family, your own business, neighborhood, state, and nation. But what I want you to see is this young man who was a king. What did he do? He turned to the Lord with all his heart. I'm talking to some right now. You have turned to the Lord with all your heart. Your heart is his, and he knows it. You love him more than life itself. Wow. I feel the presence of the Lord. You've given your soul to him, your goods to him. You've given your time to him, your finances, your offerings, your tithes. You've given him everything that you know that you can give. You're following God's law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, okay? You're following his law. And you're living in a nation where these things are going on. Now, Josiah was in a position to be able to bring reform to the land. Okay, so legislation, if you will. The scripture says that Josiah repaired the temple. Um, This is in 2 Kings 22. You can read about it later. I have all these notes, dozens and dozens of things for you to read if you want them. Just contact me, okay? He repaired the temple. He read the law. So he loved God's word, okay? He destroyed idolatry as much as he could. You have removed idols from your own life. You've turned to the Lord. You have loved God with all your heart, with all your soul. He wakes you up at night and you pray. He wakes you up and you're in his word and you give and you weep over the lost. And you weep over those who reject him. And you weep because you have incurred persecution in your own life. You've been misunderstood. You've been ill-treated. You haven't been appreciated. But let me tell you something. God appreciated what Josiah did, and he appreciates you. He sees everything you do for his name. But notice, he repaired the temple. He read the law. He destroyed idolatry. 2 Kings 22 and 23. You can go back and read it later. And he observed the Passover. Now, let's just pause right there, okay? In the Old Testament, we know there are seven feasts of the Lord. I've talked about this. If you want these notes, I'll send them to you. Just write me. But under the Old Testament, but with a New Testament concept, if if the New Testament believer is observing Passover, what does that mean? Passover points to the new birth. It's when the blood was applied to the doorposts of the houses of God's people. God was about to take them out of Egypt, right? At the Passover, there was a lamb for a house, okay? So that's a type of the new birth. That's a picture of redemption. The blood is applied at Calvary. It's a picture of the death of the Messiah and the Passover lamb. And for us, it means a new birth, a new beginning with forgiveness of sins. It means we're redeemed by the blood, saved from the destroyer, because we know we've been purchased by our blood with the blood of the lamb, okay? 
So Josiah observed the Passover. In other words, this is a type under the New Testament. Now, if you observe the Passover, you've been born again. That's step one in the first of seven feasts. So you have done these things. You have believed the Lord, and yet you don't see change in the individual, the people, or in the nation that you're praying for. As a matter of fact, it's going from bad to worse. Please let me read out of God's scripture, out of his word for you, that you might know, even though you are doing everything you know to do, look at what 2 Kings 23, verse 26 says. It says, however, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of his great wrath against Judah because of all the provocations which Manasseh had provoked him. Let me just say something. Beloved, we are living at the end of the age. Judgment has started and judgment will continue. And even though you and I, I believe I'm talking to people who are serious about their walk with God. We've observed the Passover. We've been born from above. We are doing everything we know to do. Walk in his precepts, his commandments. If there's idolatry, we get it out of our house and our lives. If there's things that we see that are abominable, we make sure that we remove them from our eyes so we don't practice those things. But we must understand something. And God put this in his book for a reason. We must understand with Bible typology, right? Uh, It has shadows and patterns. We need to understand that the events of Israel's history, including 2 Kings, were designed by God as object lessons for you and me, the church, under the new covenant. 1 Corinthians 10:11. These things happened to them, the Israelites, as an example. They were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now notice, when you read this portion where King Josiah dies, we need to understand that his successor and the one after him did evil in the sight of the Lord. What does that tell us? This man, your life before Christ, as you walk before him with a perfect heart, as you check yourself, as you stay accountable, as you're in his word, as you're praying day and night, as you're serving him the best of your ability, regardless of what you're doing, it is pleasing to the Lord, but regardless of that, judgment must come because, beloved, we are at the end of the age and our Father is judging his house. He's judging the kingdoms of this world. Now, when um, Josiah passed away, his successor did evil in the sight of the Lord. Even the best efforts and our lives lived around people and the society in which we live, there is still evil in the hearts of men until they fully repent. Because Reformation tries to address the change on the outside, the external change and condition. But I'm here to tell you, outer Reformation without inner transformation leads to death. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Unless Human beings in the society in which we live, okay, unless they are made alive unto Christ, we need to understand that they are like those swine 
that were about to be thrown into the lake. Remember when uh, Jesus cast demons out of an individual, they asked permission, could we go into the swine, right? And the swine uh, went headlong over the cliff into the lake. Unless there's inner transformation, that which is unclean, right? The swine are a type of unclean individuals. They are headed to drown in the lake. There is a lake of fire. When do we ever hear anybody talking about the lake of fire? Beloved, we don't want anyone to go there. They need to hear the gospel. Outer reformation without inner transformation leads to death. Religion pushes for reform, okay? But reforms and improvements, even inventions and technology, either good or beneficial to mankind, can and will be used for evil. We read about that in the book of Genesis at the Tower of Babel, uh, Genesis 11. Why? Because men's hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. All right. So we know because we have been um, keeping informed what is going on uh, with the New World Order. We have been trying to follow, and Brother John and other ministries are keeping us up to date as to what is going on and what these non-regenerated men are attempting to do. The Antichrist spirit, okay, which operates through fallen men, and yes, some of them I don't believe are fully human either. I'm absolutely convinced. The evil force behind them and the system that wants to combine technology and biogenetic engineering and all of this, it's a desire to merge the digital, robotic, biological, and spiritual worlds. You see, they say that men can be enhanced and modified because in the minds and the eyes of global elites, they believe that artificial intelligence and computers can perform better than human beings. Therefore, in the mind of this antichrist mindset, human beings are seen as commodities and hacks. In fact, spokesmen for them, uh, Harari and Klaus Schwab and others, if you followed along, in the reports or if you've read any of their books, they say they are working to solve the problem of death to achieve immortality with the help of technology. Now, one of them said, and I wrote it down, quote, you don't need to wait for Jesus Christ to come back in order to overcome death. We will turn ourselves into new kinds of gods. Now, this is nothing new. We know that in Isaiah 14, the fallen one says, I'm going to exalt my throne. Uh, I want the preeminence. I'm going to exalt my throne. I'm going to ascend into heaven. I want my throne above the stars. I'm going to sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I'm going to ascend above the heights of the clouds. I want to be like the most high. I've read this several times. That's Isaiah 14, 13, and 14. This is the Antichrist spirit desiring to have the preeminence to climb high in their own strength, to escape death. They want position, competition, recognition, and control. In fact, they want immortality, and they're deceived enough to believe that with the help of technology, they can overcome death. We're going to turn ourselves into gods. And I also have written down another quote that they said, our pursuit is not about goods and services. It's about bodies brains, and minds. Their goal 
the Antichrist spirit, the goal of transhumanism and the beast system that is forming is to connect your body to the Internet and to artificial intelligence, giving them the ability to possess the body and control the mind of men. Now, Jesus knows what is in the mind of every man. And sadly, some are choosing Caesar as their king, just like they did in John 19:15, when Pilate said, behold your king. We have no king but Caesar. There are sadly multitudes who are paying a blind allegiance to their government and as the government and as a new world order rolls in and eventually when Antichrist takes this place, there will be a push for compliance to fall into line. We want to monitor you. We want to track you. Their goal is not just external surveillance, all right, to track and to trace the people, but also internal surveillance, which is going, they said, it's going under the skin. Those are their words. It's going under the skin to monitor brain activity, in other words, thoughts. But Ezekiel 11.5 tells us, God, the creator, says, I know every thought that comes into your mind. Ezekiel 11.5, our creator, this is the antichrist spirit wanting to take the place of God. Remember, antichrist means in place of God or instead of God. And so the push for compliance, do what your government tells you. Take this government-mandated medical uh, procedure on your body, under your skin, on your right hand or in your forehead. Again, we see and we know that fallen beings have Genesis 6-4, they have and continue to tamper with the genetic code of man. Because in their minds, enhanced physical bodies, altered human beings, they say human beings must be enhanced and modified. And they're actually, one has said also, they talked about techno-religion. They're seeking to acquire divine abilities through which they say they can turn themselves into new kinds of gods, which will come from techno-religion. And they are working to solve the problem of death to achieve immortality. Again, religion pushes for outward uh, change. That's what we call reformation or reconstruction or rebuilding again non-regenerated men attempting to change the human condition through reorganizing something through implanting something under the skin on the skin so there's nothing new under the sun jesus has made it clear beloved the world cannot be salvaged all right we've talked about this before again Abraham, the father of our faith, God said, get out of Babylon. Don't try to reform it. Don't try to change it. Um, he never told his disciples to devote their energies toward reforming a, resist, a system of unrighteousness. Beloved, it's absolutely crucial that we understand the change that every Christian is looking for is that we would be changed, transformed into the very image of Christ. So as we do this, as we present our bodies, okay, as we daily lay down our lives, as we 
renew our minds as we read in Romans chapter 2. Be conformed to the world. Because this is going to be made, um, this is going to be presented in a way what the world is, is trying to achieve. It's going to look, uh, it'll be enticing. Uh, they'll say, we can keep track of you. This will help your children not to be lost. Just tip them. Put this tattoo on them. Receive this injection under the skin. There will be many, many things. You can access your account. And we all understand and have read in um, Revelation chapter 13 what the mark of the beast will do. And uh, God willing, we'll try to talk about that soon. Let's talk more about that. But what we must understand is that the change now that God is looking for in his people, all right, for anyone who has said, I will receive this gift of grace called salvation. God is wanting us to change from living in self-will to living the will of Christ. Beloved, this is key to transformation, and it governs our uh, eligibility to rule with Christ. Let me say that again. Our body is going to be clothed with incorruptible life only if we have sown to the spirit during our earthly pilgrimage. Let me say it. The change from living in self-will to living the will of Christ is the key to transformation, and it, in fact, is determining our eligibility to rule and to reign with Christ. Glory to God. Beloved, Paul said even after preaching to others, he himself could be rejected. All right, so he was pressing on toward a mark. He had a goal. He already was mourned again. He already called himself an apostle. So that was never the question. He wanted to attain to something that he had not yet attained to. We are told that there is an order in men being made alive unto Christ. And perhaps God will give grace. We can talk about uh, the thousand-year reign called the millennium reign um, that separates the two resurrections, the first resurrection and the second. That is not the topic of the message tonight. But we are talking about the change that we all want. We all are groaning in our bodies. Those of us who love Christ, who want to be with Jesus, we're just pressing now, trying to finish our course. We're pressing now and saying, Father, you know, the only thing that really matters right now is living in the center of my Father's will. I don't want to do my own will, Father. I want your will. Please show me what that looks like. So it's, again, the message of the cross, which always will offend because you and I both know that the enemy will always offer a shortcut. He did it with Jesus, and he'll try to do it with us. Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to wait. After all, you are a son, and God will do whatever you want. Beloved, please understand, the devil will still suggest the following to you. Because when we're in pain, and when we're hurting, and when we're desperate, he's going to say the same thing to you and to me that he did to, to Jesus. He will try to say, you don't have to deny yourself. Just indulge yourself. You've earned this. It's, it's okay. Just go ahead and compromise here. God loves you. He will say you can uh, achieve a shortcut to power. Uh, he said that to Jesus. You can utilize the power of your flesh. You don't have to wait. You don't have to suffer. No cross. Beloved, this is a message 
that the enemy is using even now. No cross, no suffering. You don't have to die to self. Just bypass that other stuff. We're going to show you how to get immortality. We're going to show you how you can become like a god, the master of your own destiny. You can rule. You can have what you want. You can have your way because you are a son and God doesn't want you to suffer. That is a lie from the pit, beloved. We need to understand something. Suffering and endurance and tribulation is part of being made worthy for the kingdom of God. Now, when you're in pain, all right, my brother just had a a double bypass operation surgery just a few days ago. He just came home from the hospital today. When you're in pain, he's home recovering, but he's in pain, all right? He's not a whiner. He's not a complainer, but he's in pain. Some of you are in pain right now, physical pain, emotional pain, pain from your marriage, pain with the job situation, pain with neighbors, pain in whatever place you are. We must understand something, that Jesus is moved at seeing your pain, beloved. And I'm here to tell you, weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. If you ask him and if you believe, he will touch you and give you grace to continue until that pain is lifted. Now, what can, can we ask him to remove that pain? Absolutely. Is he a healer? Absolutely. He heals us, body, soul, and spirit. But when you're hurting, and my brother's home, he's hurting. He, he doesn't want to be talking on the phone. He doesn't want people coming to see him. He's in a lot of pain right now. So you might be in, in pain and you're saying, Lord, I, I, I can't take this anymore. Let me just assure you and share with you He will never leave you or forsake you. There's no temptation. There's no um, trial that is not common to men. With your trial, beloved, with the temptation, he's going to make a way of escape. What is that way of escape? You say, Sister Tara, I just want to run. I just want out. I can't take this anymore. You know, all of us are enduring some kind of pain and affliction some to great degrees, greater degrees than others. But you must understand, God's grace is sufficient. And when the enemy comes to you and says, you know, just take a shortcut, just do this, just give in to your flesh, don't forget, keep this goal in mind, that the first resurrection, which is what Paul was pressing toward, which is what I'm pressing toward, which is what all of us want, is the summoning. Listen to what this is. This is what is being held out before us. It's the summoning of the bodies of the chosen so that the nations of the world may behold and be blessed by the glory of God in you. So attaining to this resurrection, okay, which we know begins on the inside, all right? First, he quickens us on the inside, and as we overcome, we take another step. As we hit one obstacle, one trial, we shake it off, and God heals our pain, we take another step. But let me just say something. There's nothing wrong with grieving. Grieving is human. Jesus wept when Lazarus died, all right? Jesus raised the dead, but he also allowed his own emotions to be seen. So let me just say, we never have to apologize for being human. 
okay? Again, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. We are complex creatures, that's for sure. But our great high priest, beloved, was touched with the things that touch you and me. He knows about your suffering. He wept. But let me just say something. Lazarus was raised. He was trying to reveal to the family, Mary and Martha, and to the others that were there, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm here to tell you right now, the resurrection and the life is on the inside of you if you have made Jesus Savior, Master, and Lord of your life. And the power of the resurrection, the power that raised him from the dead, the power that raised Lazarus from the death, okay? He wanted to reveal himself. I'm the resurrection and the life. Even though you die, yet shall you live. Jesus is moved by your pain. Jesus is touched by your infirmities. He feels your sorrow. We know that the Holy Spirit can be grieved, so Our precious Holy Spirit who lives in us grieves. He grieves over the condition of the lost. He grieves with you as you mourn, as you sorrow, as you are trying to just pick up your feet and put one foot in front of the other. That's all you have to do, beloved. Father, I present myself to you. And we're going to conclude and close with this. In Ephesians, it says, you, he has quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Glory to God. And I want to pray God's word over you because I love the word of God because I know his word cannot return void, beloved. I want to pray for you out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. It says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of Jesus Christ, that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory, that you would be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. This is Ephesians 3, verse 17. That Christ might dwell in your heart by faith, that you would be rooted and grounded in love, that you would be able to grasp and comprehend with all the things what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, that you would know the love of Christ, which passes all your knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Now, beloved, listen, here's a promise for you and for me. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Unto him be glory and honor in the church. And I'm now going to pray for you out of Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we do not cease praying for you. We desire, and so, beloved, I pray, that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, that you would be fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, with all might. Glory to God. Father, give my brothers and sisters strength in the name of Jesus, according to his glorious power, according to your glorious power, Lord, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father, which has made us fit to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. 
he has delivered you and me from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Father, I thank you for your word that it cannot return void. You said, so shall it be. I send my word out. It shall not return unto me a void. It shall accomplish that which I please and prosper in the place where I send it. So, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for the word that's been sown into the hearts of my brothers and my sisters, that you are a faithful God. You are a faithful high priest who is compassionate and kind and gracious and slow to anger and slow to wrath. Tonight, we give all glory and honor to the one who has called us, for faithful is he that has called you, and faithful is he that will bring it to a completion. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Powerful message. I knew it. Very timely as well. Believe me. And thank you so much for the encouragement and the strength that we can, you know, derive and and, uh, spiritually absorb, really, of just even hearing the words and having them put in uh, to that supernatural understanding that we all need to embrace it and make it a part of our walk. Praise God. So many people going through some awful, awful stuff. and, and and, And we know why. It's, you know, it's, it's Satan's trying to take out some of the probably some of the best prayer warriors that, that the world has, and I, I and you know and and he's he's hitting hard. So we just have to embrace these words, play, make it a part of our life, keep our eyes focused on the on the eyes of Jesus, walk on that water, forget there's even any water there, just go right into His arms and stay focused and believe because you can believe, you can know, not just believe, but you can know in your heart know that he is going to take care of all these problems, you know, and, and, and yeah, you're probably going to have to wait to the very, very last minute. You're going to have to go through testing. Just keep praising your way through it. Praise God, because God will come through for you. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Sister Terry. What a powerful, powerful message. God bless you. I I pray for you and Bud all the time. And um, again, a word in due season dot com. Just like it sounds, a word in D-U-E season.com is Sister Terry's website. Did you want to go ahead and give your uh, your your uh, email address out to folks real quick? Yes, of course, John. Um, my email address is a word in due season 777 at gmail.com. Praise God. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Hang in there, folks. I am really surprised at this, at the uh, magnitude and the intensity of the attacks that uh, are hitting. Uh, uh, I, I don't know how many people, but it sure seems like an awful lot to me, anyway. Uh, and uh, and we just need to pray more for each other. Please pray for one another. I pray for all of you continuously. Uh, the time is definitely growing shorter. We just don't know how much long we've got to go, but we want to be able to, you know, break through and overcome all of these things to get to that that glorious place where we truly have bona fide, real, heartfelt trust in God, knowing that we're going to be brought through what appears to be insurmountable problems uh, through God's grace and his mercy to each of us. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us tonight. We'll see you Wednesday night, 7 p.m., Lord willing. Thank you, Sister Terry. God bless you. You're Thank welcome. you all for God bless you. Good night everyone.
Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners at the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds For they shall see my glory Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.